Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. exactly what I was saying as I was uh, making my way down from the press box to the uh, to the post game show last weekend. Wee, wee. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> actually, it was more like ow, 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 because for some reason. I'm somebody who can get hurt um, by walking in a carpeted hallway in a sturdy building and all that. Uh, Popped a calf muscle or something on the way down, and uh, I'll be damned if it's still not hurting. So, anyway, uh, this is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also brought to you by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949, and by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. I'm Jimmy Rosari. Um, yeah, that, uh, still, just a kind of a taste in my mouth after Stanford. Stanford. Stanford! already been through this you know <laughs> that's exact <laughs> in fact i even said hey you know, like as we were starting the post game show reggie and i uh hey just uh just run run the tape back from the marshall game that's exactly how i feel we've been through this already how much more can we take for god's sake <laughs> god Anyway, so, of course, people are panicky. Uh, Oh, no, what if we don't make a good bowl game? You know, honestly, if you were kind of expecting that kind of standard this year, um, you're kind of unrealistic. I know. I'm also a guy who said, hey, this team could go 10-3. and That was best case scenario, (laughs) all right? At the same time, if you remember, I also said, um, or it could come flying apart at the seams. We haven't come flying apart at the seams yet, but um, yeah, it's certainly not, this car certainly ain't as sturdy as we thought it was going to be. Especially after they th- rattled off three wins, you know. I mean, sure, the game against Cal, you know, take take from that what you will. Uh, but then North Carolina, you know, a good offense. Defense was able to make plays. Uh, the offense was able to put points on the board, which we had never seen. Um, at least not this year, anyway. Uh, and then followed that up, you know, after the bye week out in Vegas against BYU, a ranked team. 16th ranked team in the country at that point. So Stanford was supposed to be cake, right? (sighs) 
I'll say this. Stanford kind of playing. I think Stanford's got that inspiration of, uh, of playing for their coach's job. Like, everybody loves David Shaw at Stanford, and, you know, they don't want to see it get that bad to where everybody's basically clamoring for him to be fired. I get that. Uh, you know, he, he's the quintessential Stanford guy. Um, and that, I think, is, is kind of what they were playing with. But the defense was, you know, defense was good for us. Right? Defense is good. The offense just kind of sputtered. Ugh. So, uh, Marcus Freeman, how you feeling? Yeah, I think after Marshall, it was a lack of confidence. I, I, I hadn't won a game as a head coach, you know, and, and until you have some evidence that, hey, man, all this work you're putting in is working, you're going to have a little bit of lack of confidence and lack of faith in what you're doing. But, you're able to win three games in a row, so I ha- this is a good football team that beat some really good football teams to beat a six and one, uh, six or five and one North Carolina team, a good BYU team, and when we execute, we do things we're supposed to do. We're a really good football team. So there was anger after this last game because I know we're a good football team, and we did not play up to our standards, and um, that's the frustrating part. You know, is that man, you're a good football team. We play the way we're supposed to play and we're capable of playing. We can beat anybody we play against. And when you don't, college football, the parity is, is close. You're going to lose. And you saw that on Saturday when we lost to Stanford. Um, and so, you know, it, the messaging is is to let's fix the mistakes. It's, don't make this be a, Don't let this be a lack of confidence in who we are and how good we can be. Um, let's make this about What's the true issues of what happened on Saturday? Let's not. <laughs> Let's not and say we did. Huh? Um, anyway. So, of course, you know, there's, there's going to be all sorts of, uh, you know, comments made all over the place, really. Both privately and very publicly and little bit of pointing finger maybe i don't know tough to kind of gauge really i'm the first one to go up there and say hey here's areas where i have to improve right and, and i think every person in our program has to be transparent about that you know the minute you start pointing the fingers at the players you know you'll lose them and the minute you just blame the coaches for everything you'll lose them and so it's the ability for everybody in our program to point the finger at themselves and that's that's what I always say during difficult times and failures. It's an individual sport, right? And that we all have to point our finger at ourselves. When we have success, it's a team sport. Point your finger at your teammate. And so, um, listen, it's, it's those are tough conversations. They're honest conversations that you have to have um, because we owe it to this program. We owe it to the seniors. We owe it to our players to execute better, to get um, the results to where it needs to be. And uh, that takes taking a deep dive into what we're doing, why it is or isn't working, and how we fix it. You know, I will say this. That was actually kind of refreshing to hear. I don't know what it was, maybe the past, you know, 10, 12 years of a coach having absolutely no problem whatsoever tossing everybody under the bus whether it was other coaches, whether it was, uh, whether it was players, whether it was officials, whoever, the school itself. Here, it, it's nothing that he hasn't said before, but it's still good to hear that things haven't gotten to a point where they're just throwing everybody under the bus, basically. That speaks that that speaks something to uh, to Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I mean, this is a learning experience. This is a learning experience for a lot of guys. It's a whole new system. It's a different system. All right, there's two coaches who were here last year. One of them's a strength and conditioning coach. The other, 
Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese has been a coach for three years. The other guys, they're in their first year at the program. Harry Heastan returned, but yeah, you know, still, he had to get his his system back in. And enough guys had graduated, you know, where it needed to refresh it. So it's an all, you know, all new, all new everything. Does my heart good. I don't know. I don't know why, but it always it always makes me feel better when whenever I hear Marcus Freeman say something like that. You know, I'm the first guy to 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 take the blame. Cool. You should be. You're the head coach. We didn't. We've never had that, or at least it's been a while since we've had it. So, what's this mean for the culture? Yeah, you're gonna have to be able to. Um really stands your ground during these tough times. And there's been change. Our program's different this year than it was in the past. And, and you know what? To to really establish something that's special, man, you're going to have to go through some challenges and, and some difficult times. And I've been through them. You know, I've been at new places. I've been, you know, in new situations where you have to hit these tough times. And, Again, nobody wants to go through them, but I know we're going to be better because, man, as I told the team, you have to understand that you can't always want it easy. And listen, nobody wants to lose a game, but but this is going to build this program and our foundation to where it needs to be. And and they're encouraged. We're encu- we're going to be okay. You know, we watch the film and evaluate and say, listen, we did not play to our standard. We know that. We have a good football team. You know, I was a completely different person after Marshall. At Marshall, we lost Ohio State. We lost to Marshall. And I, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I was really, whew, I was struggling. But, listen, you, you, the past three games, you know, the second half of Cal, North Carolina, BYU, we have a good football team that we have to get to perform consistently. We have to do it consistently. So the culture of this program is is we're going to have to embrace these tough times and, and these growing pains of getting this program to where we want it to be. And it, it's really, it, how do you get it there? It's going to be, we have to do a better job at executing. We got to do a better job at our preparation. And, and then on Saturday, making sure we execute the things we really work at. <laughs> you never would have gotten that kind of honest answer out of Brian Kelly. I do know that for sure. Kind of uh, made me go, ha ah! ha. Uh, when he said, you know, after the Marshall game, I, I didn't know what, what you know. Yeah. Into my, into my paper bag there. Anyway, so there's all that. Of course, what it comes down to is that the offense has to be better. It's got to be. It's got to be more consistent. You know, I, I, I'm. It's not exactly saying anything that's uh, that's of any sort of uh, any sort of surprise to anybody by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, Marcus Freeman, your offensive input is what? You know, at first was kind of mostly learning what we're doing and. and you know, speaking from a, a defensive mindset, hey, here's defensively what I think they're doing. Here's what I would do if I'm going against you guys. Um, to now being able to understand the offensive philosophy, hey, here's where we're attacking, here's where I D, and this is what we want to do, the progression. And so I'm no offensive guru, and I'll never be an offensive guru, but um, I think the growth personally uh, has been good and uh, it must continue to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that just kind of goes with that saying for any coach and there's good pedigree there at least you know I mean there there's there's plenty of examples where there have been plenty of uh of defensive coaches like considered defensive geniuses almost who have unbelievable offenses Bill Belichick the year that he had Tom Brady and Randy Moss that kind of comes to mind. That offense was unreal. It wasn't just, you know, Brady chucking it to Moss or, you know, it Moss was definitely the focal point as far as the receiving game went. But that offense 
was really good top to bottom. That's from a defensive coach. That's his system right there. So that's going to come over time, I think. That, that, that's still going to come over time. But what about now? Faster. We got to start the game with more urgency. We got to be better out of the locker room. And that's something that, you know, in the course of the season, we've have to improve at. Um, you know, we start the game with three and out. The very first play is a penalty. You know, we can't have penalties, not on the first play of the game. The second play, we don't execute the way we want. We end up having a punt on third down, on fourth down. Um, the second series, we got a third and long situation and we don't execute. You know, Mayor's open, we don't hit him. Um, you know, we got to do a better job there. And then, that third series after the, the punt block, you know, we get the holding call mayor. Um, yeah, we, we get the holding call mayor. Um, we get the mayor's touchdown called back, you know. Then we miss Braden Lindsay. You know, those are situations where we, we have to eliminate the errors. We have to eliminate those self-inflicted wounds, the penalties. You know, I just gave you three penalties in the first three series that we can't that can't happen. And when we have somebody open, we got to convert. You know, now what do we got to do? We got to look at what we're calling and hey, is there something else we're calling that could help us kind of get the drive started? You know, and and we have a drive starters. They our offense staff spends endless amount of time on drive starters. You know how we want to start the game, and there was a plan. This is exactly what we wanted. You know, versus this look. Well, the very first play they gave us a look we wanted, we get a penalty. You know, the second down play, we don't do what we're supposed to do. And so, again, it goes back to, okay, let's look at our plan, look what we're calling, right? Now let's look at why aren't we executing? What do we have to do to make sure we have a, do a better job at executing that opportunity? And that's a pretty easy game plan. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at UNLV stats here. And uh, as far as... Total offense compared to their opponents over the course of the year. They average 358 uh, yards a game. Opponent usually gets 378. You know, total, you know they've they've given up more yardage as 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 far as the defense goes. You can really hurt them penalty wise. They get uh, on average like almost 20 more yards per game in penalties than their opponent. There's something. And plus, it's going to be easy for you to get them into your flow of the game because they don't give a crap about time of possession anyway. They've been averaging less time of possession uh, through their schedule. They're 4-3, and three, by the way, on a two-game lose streak. Um, <clears throat> you know, like, it, it, it's, it's easy to get team, you know, like the defense, their defense knows how to stay on the field, basically. So just make them tired. And that kind of starts with, you know, the big tight end, the the future Mackey Award winner, Mac, uh, Michael Mayer. Uh, what will he open up against this defense? Yeah, he's going to leave you, you're going to be one-on-one on some other some other positions. No matter if you're playing man or zone, you can you can bracket Mayer and play zone on the other side and have some open zones, or you can bracket Mayer and play man on the other side. But you're going to have some one-on-one uh, situations on the backside. And so they did a good job. Sometimes they double covered, sometimes they triple covered, and then all of a sudden they single covered him. Well, you know, Drew early in the game, you want to force it in there. We got to get Mike, the ball to Mike Mayer, and then all of a sudden. After two series, you're like, okay, they're double covering Mike Mayer. Let's go somewhere else. And then the minute you go somewhere else, they're not double covering. He's open, and you know we don't hit it to him. And so, it, they did a good job defensively. I thought they did a really good job of at the right time trying to say you're not going to be able to run the ball. We're going to put an extra hat in the box at certain times, doubling Mike Mayer. And and you know what? And that's where we, as an offense, and have to say, okay, we can't always depend on Mike Mayer. It's easy to do that. It's easy to just say, okay, go to Mike Mayer here, you know, and usually he's going to win. But we have to be able to go through our progression, you know, and that's the the tough part about it because sometimes your progression leaves Mike Mayer one-on-one and you're saying, let's go to Mike Mayer. But if that's sometimes your first read, then somebody else might be open. So it's 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 an evolution on making sure that, hey, 
you got a chance to, to get the ball to a dominant player, get the ball to him, but also we cannot force things to Mike Mayer. We got to let the game happen. <gasps> what a concept. That's all they did against Stanford, too. They just tripped, like, he was it, basically. The running game played okay. But as far as the passing game went, if it wasn't Mayer, it was probably a sack. Uh, <laughs> or, or or Drew Pine having to pull the ball down uh, and, and, and get out of the pocket and get out of trouble and, and, and try to pick up a couple of yards that way. It was that all game, basically. Um, speaking of Drew Pine, how's, uh, how's your quarterback, Coach? He was uh, disappointed in the performance on Saturday. Um, you know, you know the thing about Drew is is he feels like he let us down. He let the coaches down. He let his team down. And and we all let each other down. We all have to perform better, and and we have to put him in positions to perform better. And uh, you're right. Sometimes I take his confidence for granted. You know, and and um, anybody in that position, when you're not having early success, I'm sure your confidence can be shaken. He doesn't show it too often, um, but I know his confidence was shaken a little bit. And and so in turn, what do we have to do as coaches? We have to put him in position to have confidence. We got to be able to to get him some easy throws, be able to run the ball effectively, so now his confidence can take back over. And uh, that's where we got to help Drew Pine on. That sounds. Easier said than done. How do you how do you put Drew Pine in a better position? Again, if you're able to run the ball with success, your offense is moving, and you're you're able to you know I think build that confidence. You really look at go back to the Cal game, and what happened from the first half to the second half was the ability to run the ball, which really helps your confidence. You even look at the North Carolina game; some of those big runs helped Drew, you know, really establish that confidence that he hit some. Me through some unbelievable balls, and the same thing in BYU. And so, um, we had a plan to um, try to take advantage of, of some throws we thought that were going to be there on Saturday. We didn't hit them, and what we have to do is a better job of saying, "Okay, let's let's go back and build this confidence. Let's go back and do the things that we feel like can have success." Now, you can have a plan to run the ball if they stack the box and you're not able to run the ball. You got to spread it out and throw it. You know, and so they did a good job of, of trying to force us to throw the ball, you know, and, and listen, it's a lot easier to throw a shallow route or a RPO with the with Mike Mayer leaking behind the line of scrimmage than it is to throw a 15 yard dig, you know, and, and so we have to try to find ways, to create those easy throws, easy completions, run the ball until the confidence is built where Drew's Drew and he can make those those difficult passes. It's right about the run game. Uh, you know, Audric estimates pretty good, pretty good sophomore season. Uh, the last three games, he's rushed for 288 yards on 39 carries. That's 7.4 yards per carry over the last three games. That's pretty productive. Logan Diggs has seen his workload increase, too. Uh, he's, uh, he's rushed for 36 times, 200 yards. That's 5.5 yards per carry. So... Offensive line, you know, obviously has to make the holes, but I mean, like, it it it's there. The key is right there. Mix up the running game, mix up you know, mare on on some routes that you know kind of allows things to open up. You know, maybe puts mare in in double coverage, but gets another guy in in, in single coverage. You know whether that's uh, whether that's Styles or Lindsey or even Tobias Merriweather. By the way, what are your, what are your thoughts on on Tobias, Coach? Both of those two calls were were specifically for Tobias. Um, we missed the the first one, overthrew it a little bit. He was open, you know, and was able to connect. On the second one, we were looking for a specific coverage. We saw it and we called it, you know. And and again, no, that's what Tobias Merriweather can do. You know, but he's got to continue to expand that confidence in terms of what the coaches feel like they can call with him in there. You know, and and he is, I think, today will be a big confidence booster in him and his coaches. I think if 
Notre Dame's offense wants to expand, you have to start getting that guy the ball more. You have to start getting him involved more. Last week was the first time I had seen him. Last week. It shouldn't be week six where I'm, you know, seeing this highly touted wide receiver for the first time, you know, outside of practice. It's the first time I've seen him in a game. Week six. We're all sitting in the press box going, where's he been? Why were they keeping him under wraps? So, anyway. (sighs) Notre Dame and UNLV, of course, uh, you know, going to be on Peacock only, uh, which can be a good thing because, A, uh, if you don't have Peacock, uh, <laughs> means you don't have to sit through Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett this week. Oh, Hosanna! Um, listen to the game for free. Our coverage starts at 8 a.m. tomorrow. All right? And then, of course, game time. Just around 2.30, Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, they're going to have the call for you right here on uh, 960 WSBT and uh, the Notre Dame Radio Network. So join us for that. Uh and like I said, just please make make good on those promises, Coach, as far as expanding the offense. Please. It'll be so much f- more fun with an expanded offense. Trust me. Uh, coming up, we're going to look a little bit to the future, uh, not just for tomorrow, but also the future of Notre Dame football in general. That's coming up. Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, tomorrow. As I mentioned, getting our uh, coverage started early, 8 a.m. We're going to replay the uh, Marcus Freeman show from last night. We'll do that tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. Following will be Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. Not going to be in our usual spot at, at Eddie Street Commons. We're actually going to be down on the uh, on the south end of Eddie Street Commons at the new Credit Union 1 location that's opening up uh, right in the area of Trader, Trader Joe's, you know, right right in that end of, uh, of, of Eddie Street Commons. They're having their grand opening tomorrow, and we're going to be broadcasting live. Uh, Tim and I will be out there uh, bright and early. Of course, you know, festivities starting at 9. I say festivities because, uh, you know, you kind of need a party when you bring in Mike Golick Sr. Uh, He's going to be joining us tomorrow on on Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. We're actually going to have an honest-to-God radio professional on our show, on on Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. Well, at least one more anyway. You know, we have Tim every week, so. Mike Golick Jr. tomorrow, Credit Union 1, uh, their grand opening. Uh, we're going to, you know, help cut the ribbon, and there's going to be food and refreshments and all that stuff. So stop on by. T-shirts! We've got T-shirts, too! Who doesn't love a T-shirt? These are nice T-shirts, too, by the way. These aren't like, you know, some cheapy, you know, you know, white undershirt with something silk screened on. No, these are these are high-quality shirts. These are These are good shirts. High-quality shirts, Mike Golick Sr., how can you lose? Credit Union 1 starting at 9 a.m. for Legacy Heating and Air Game Day tomorrow. Uh, They're at the uh, southern end of of Eddy Street Commons. Then we've got uh, Game Day Sports Beat powered by Michelob Ultra. Darren and Tyler will have that for you. Uh, leading up to Notre Dame uh, Radio Network's coverage of uh, the game tomorrow, the uh, the tailgate show, their pregame show, and then the game kicking off at 2.30. After the game, of course, myself and Reggie Brooks on the uh, official Notre Dame football postgame show provided by uh, St. Joseph Health System. So, all tomorrow. Another, another busy Saturday, but uh, hopefully this one will be a hell of a lot more fun. And again... Listen to the radio. You don't have NBC to fall back on this week. And that's not a Channel 16 decision either. All right? But, like, lay off them. I'll let you know when we can yell at them. Anyway, 
let's see. Let's look to the future a little bit. Look to the future as far as the talent at Notre Dame. Darren talked to Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com earlier this week. Here is that conversation. I enjoyed your conversation with Mike Goolsby the other night. For our radio listeners that don't know, Mike Goolsby, the former Irish linebacker, you and Mike get into some spirited conversations following Notre Dame football games, and I guess you had plenty to talk about after the Stanford game. Yeah, no kidding. There's <laughs> a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, so every Sunday night, typically 7 p.m. Eastern time, Goolsby and I will be live on our YouTube channel. And, I mean, we get so much good positive feedback from folks. I mean, it's, it's called the Mike Goolsby Show, so – uh, when, you know, people tend to agree with Goolsby on things more than me. Um, but, hey, I, I take it to Goolsby sometimes. I don't you know. For just some journalists, I don't uh, get too afraid of uh, differing on him. But uh, it, it's it's a really good discussion. Um, you know, think talk show plus, you know, analysis plus just good fun banter. Um, great stuff. I give you a lot of credit dealing with two Illinois guys every week on these YouTube videos. You probably deserve a bonus for that. Telling you, we're hard to handle. <laughs> Let's talk recruiting because you know what, Mike? With a 3-3 three and three Irish football team, there's no conference title to look forward to. We're just kind of looking ahead maybe to a bowl game. People want to know about the future of this Notre Dame football team, and there are holes to fill on this current roster. So there's really nothing better to do right now than talk to Irish fans about some guys that are going to be possibly wearing that Notre Dame helmet in the future and hopefully a part of the turnaround again of this Notre Dame football team. I want to start with wide receiver recruiting. There's always a debate about the current wide receivers on the roster. And, hey, Tobias Merriweather, a couple of routes, looked pretty doggone good, didn't he, including that touchdown catch, should have had two. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I was kind of in the camp of uh, trust the coaches on why they haven't played him yet. I'm not in that camp anymore. <laughs> so you watched the replays really on NBC and the breaking down of the plays. He was highly efficient and textbook running those routes, which makes you stop and think, man, oh, man, what is going on in practice where – they aren't seeing that or something, but it was good to see Tobias make an impact in that game. But 24, wide receiver recruiting. On three have their rankings, of course, and Cam Williams made a big jump in the rankings. Why don't you give us some insight on Cam Williams and talk about the jump he made in the rankings? Yeah, so in rankings, Darren, here's the thing. There were always, there's always going to be bumps for your commits, and there's going to be drops. And then anything in between is typically a small slide because if you're not actively moving up in these rankings, you're, you're just naturally moving down because of the people who are moving up, if that makes sense. Yes. So CJ Carr, Notre Dame's quarterback commit, um, took a bit of a tumble. Um, but let's focus on the positives because I know folks just focus on the negative. So we're just going to, in this discussion about 2024 receiver recruiting, we're going to focus on, uh, you know, Kane Williams' bump here. He went from outside the top 100 nationally to the number 21 overall player per on three's own rankings and the number five receiver. So I want to clarify, and articles of Blue and Gold in our YouTube um, videos we do, we, use the, we talk about the on three consensus, which equally weighs all four media outlets, rivals, on three, ESPN, and 24-7. Um, so on three's rankings only are a quarter of that consensus in terms of um, how much it's weighed. But on three did update its ranking, so that's what we're talking about in this video. So, again, number 21 overall player, number five wide receiver, and I'm told this bump was due to not only its big-time junior production um, at Glenbard South in Glen Ellen, Illinois, it's um, his testing numbers over the summer um, in terms of his length, his speed, his, and then you see those two things combined with his physicality on Friday nights and production. Cam Williams has, has just been fantastic. Um, and look, he's a near five-star prospect at this point. On three only has three five-star players in the 2024 class, um, and as time goes on, more players will be added. Um, Cam Williams is one of those early on. And Darren, I'm just going to run through three more 2024 wide receiver targets, just kind of give the latest on the, those recruitments. 
it was really a St. Louis invasion <laughs> at Notre Dame over the weekend. You had uh, the running back Jeremiah Love, who I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this show, the 2023 back who did commit to Notre Dame on Saturday. Um, he was on campus. His teammate, Jeremiah McClellan, um, is a four-star wide receiver in the 24 class who I am a- extremely high on. Uh, I-, I think that um, you know he's a-, a cross between like a Lorenzo Styles and Avery Davis in-, in terms of his gameplay, but I think he has a higher ceiling than, than those guys. Uh, I-, I think McClellan is just – you know, um, you know, the sky's really the limit for him. So he was on campus. I talked to him. You can find that article at blueandgold.com probably later this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's a guy to keep an eye on. He had a great time at Notre Dame. Love committing has an impact on him. He's close friends with Ryan Wingo, um, St. Louis University High 2024 receiver, number – 14 overall player, number five receiver per the on three consensus in the 2024 class. So McClellan told me that look, love's a big deal to him committing, getting Ryan Wingo, him and McClellan are tight. So this is a, it's a big deal. Like Notre Dame and the St. Louis pipeline is looking really good. So Wingo, this was his third time on campus since June. Um, so I like Notre Dame to land Wingo and I've had a prediction in um, since the summer for him to land with the Irish and, um, somewhat confident in that prediction. You know, not, it, it's no guarantee, but do believe that Notre Dame's the leader. And lastly, I was in the state of Florida this past Friday and got to uh, got to take a look at Tampa Carolwood Day wide receiver Bredell Richardson. Um, got three passes around 40 yards or so, a couple of short um, short receptions, and then a, a little post down the field where he caught a touchdown. His team really blew out the opposition. So you did get to see a ton of Richardson, but talked to him after the game and asked him about recruiting and obviously and the main schools involved, and he mentioned Notre Dame you know, first. That's the first school that came out of his mouth. That's typically a good sign. So he's a top 100 player. Uh, number 99 overall prospect and number 18 receiver. So Notre Dame has, a, to tie this all together, Darren, Notre Dame has a really good recruiting class in 2023 at wide receiver, Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, um, uh, Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, Braylon James, and then maybe they get Tayshawn Lyons from California. They can follow that up with a darn good receiver class in 24. you got Kane Williams um, already committed and then can they lock up a couple of those guys we just talked about, Darren? But overall, it's looking good early on. 636 Sportsbeat continues here on 960 AM WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike, a couple of moments ago, you referenced four-star running back Jeremiah Love verbally committing to the Fighting Irish while here in South Bend visiting for the Stanford game. You've talked about him a lot. You've spoken very highly of him, and I guess it's not a major surprise he's found a brand-new home here in South Bend? Um, it depends. Okay. See, that's an interesting – well, that's an interesting question. Like, if you're going to tell me, Mike, were you surprised he committed Saturday? No. No, I wasn't because I knew he was committing on Saturday. This is just how these things go. Um, and I, I've liked Notre Dame to land him since August. But when you take a step back and you look at – he had offers from Alabama and Georgia and Texas A&M. Yes, Texas A&M, the school that seems to be getting <laughs> just about anyone they want these days because the, the, the whole NIL factor with the Aggies. But for Notre Dame to beat A&M head-to-head in this one, and that, that was really his final two, Notre Dame and A&M, that's an impressive recruiting win. Um, so I think in that sense it was a little surprising. Um, but, look, Love, when I'd asked him about why he committed to Notre Dame, and he tells me, look, I love both schools, my family love both schools, but I just think at the end of the day Notre Dame's academics is going to help me more in the long run. Um, so even if – I'm speculating here, even if A&M had a nice little NIL thing, which they're not supposed to, but, you know, just semantics aside there, um, even if it was maybe more up front, you know, he kind of saw the long picture with Notre Dame, the four for 40. So, again, a very impressive recruiting one for the Irish. Let's move along to Ohio State offering 
one of the top Notre Dame defensive recruits. So give us some insight on who the player was and how serious of a move are the Buckeyes making on this Irish commitment? Yeah, so the Buckeyes offered, I want to say it was Sunday, a Don Schuler, Irvington, New Jersey, uh, class of 2023 safety, a four-star prospect. Look, this isn't anything new. Um, it's in terms of other schools recruiting. I think he's picked up offers from Alabama, Georgia, A&M. I mean, so many schools have offered a Don Schuler, but he hasn't really seemed to be very interested in any of those programs. I know over the maybe it was over the summer or back in the spring actually he took some trips with his high school team like a little bus tour but otherwise he's been very solid with Notre Dame despite these uh, offers from other schools again he committed to the Irish um, August of 2021 so he's been committed for over a year at this point and other schools have offered since that pledge but the Ohio State one does feel a little different like okay Hmm. Ohio State is one that means a lot to him but they're offering two months before National Signing Day. It, it, to me, it feels like a little too little, too late. Maybe Schuler is very affected by Notre Dame starting the season 3-3, three and three, and maybe that's going to deter him from wanting to stick to the Irish. I don't know, but I, I like Notre Dame for sure. Maybe not for sure because um, it's recruiting. You never know. But from what I'm told, Notre Dame uh, sources still feel confident that will stick with the Irish. Um, but again, we'll we'll have to see there. Just a moment ago, we talked about Love committing during the Stanford weekend. Uh, putting aside Love's commitment, was there many other big storylines to come out of the recruiting weekend during the Notre Dame Stanford game? Yeah, Darren, it, recruiting's really been heating up, and I, I have said this before on your show. I just I feel like there was a period there in August, uh, yeah. you know, after the July commitments like kind of slow we're doing these shows on Tuesdays and like man what are we going to talk about it's heating up now so a couple more items to talk about we're we discussed some of the 2024 receivers who were on campus two more very notable players who I wanted to talk about um Chris Tarek from uh, Glen Ellen Illinois Glen Bart West Tarek actually told me he's, he's close friends with Kane Williams Notre Dame commit in 2024 because they're from the same area and Grew up playing, you know, BWE ball together. But um, Tarek is a class of 2023 Wisconsin commit, um, pledged to the Badgers at the end of June. Well, Notre Dame lost a commitment from Elijah Page on the offensive line. They want to take a player to replace him, who would be a fifth offensive lineman. And this one just makes sense. He's a Chicagoland kid, and Wisconsin doesn't have a head coach. You would think there's a pretty decent chance that they could get him. Um, and, and they had him on campus over the weekend for an unofficial. Um, he got in actually a little bit late. Um, he had a game on Saturday afternoon. After that finished, you know, got over to, to South Bend. So I think he missed the first quarter, but then he got to spend, um, you know, all day Sunday at Notre Dame and, and by all accounts had a really good time and clicked with Harry Heastie, an Irish offensive line coach. But even all these things said, the, the young man loves Wisconsin. And, and, and kudos to him for, for committing to a school and, you know, being like, man, even though Notre Dame's coming in here and, and Wisconsin does have a, have a head coach, I, you know, I'm still sticking with the Badgers. But that's for now. I don't know if, you know, come National Signing Day, if that'll still be the case. Personally, my gut feeling says that Notre Dame's got a really good shot to pull off this flip, um, but still a lot more work to do. And then Notre Dame had three official visitors on campus over the weekend, a couple of commits, safety Ben Minnick, from Ohio, and then the speedster um, running back slash offensive athlete Dylan Edwards from Derby, Kansas. Those two guys committed to Notre Dame on campus, and then you had Brandon Hillman from Portsmouth, Virginia, Churchland High School, 6'1", 190-pound athlete, three-star prospect. Uh, Irish are recruiting him as just an athlete who can play many different positions. He was on campus with his mom and high school head coach. Article has already been posted with Hillman's thoughts on it at blueandgold.com. I like the Irish to win the recruitment, Darren, but still more work to be done. Oklahoma offered on Monday. I'm hearing maybe he gets to Kentucky for an official sometime this fall. Um, so some things to keep an eye on. But, uh, you know, even though Notre Dame is 3-3, three and three, and it just seems like every week I'm writing about some Notre Dame commit who's being pursued by other schools, I think the Irish are going to finish this recruiting class pretty strong. 
Ooh. So we got that to look forward to if, <laughs> in case things keep spiraling. Um, anyway, that's Mike Singer from uh, Tuesday's weekday sports beat with uh, with Darren Pritchett. So uh, check out all the uh, all the podcasts if you do miss anything at uh, wsbtradio.com. We will wrap things up, get you some uh, get you some betting numbers, a little fantasy football talk too. That's coming up. Sports Radio 960 WSBT on Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wrapping up Leprechaun Lunch. Notre Dame a 26.5 point favorite tomorrow. Does that warrant a... Well, I just gave it one, so... Twenty-six and a half point favored. Forty-seven and a half, the uh, the point total right now at BetMGM. By the way, go ahead and use my uh, promo code WSBTGym. Get yourself some uh, some protections and all sorts of stuff like that. <laughs> I'm so descriptive, but uh, there's uh, there's some there's some NHL. Bet protections. There's uh, there's NBA uh, promotions going on. World Series promotions going on. Uh, you know MLB playoffs. All that stuff. Uh, BetMGM.com. The BetMGM app. WSBT Jim. WSBT JIM. All right. Or WSBT JIM two zero zero as well. That that gets you something as well. So check it, yo. Uh, Twenty six and a half point favorite for Notre Dame. 47 and a half. Hey, music, please. 47 and a half on the, uh, on the over-under. Here's, uh... <laughs> Here's how interested, uh, BetMGM is on scoring props for this game. Both teams to score 10 or more points or 20 or more points. <laughs> That's it. There we go. Wonderful. Um, that's, what, that's what you get with a Peacock game. What what can I say? Uh, as far as uh, the, the pros go, first, let's get to some fantasy football. Big trade in the NFL last night. Christian McCaffrey going from Carolina back to the West Coast. Stanford grad being traded to the 49ers for a bunch of draft picks. If you're wondering where the Niners got so many draft picks that they can just trade that many draft picks for Christian McCaffrey, um, they got compensation in draft picks for Mike McDaniel, the coach at uh, uh, Miami, the Dolphins, and with Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets. And another one, too. I can't think of it right now. Right there on the tip of my tongue, I bet. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you let your coaches go, you get draft picks. So you know that that's how that works. Um, what that means, basically, uh, for the Niners first, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's they traded him last night. How much of the offense is he actually going to have? How much? How much of the playbook is he going to be able to get through? What kind of plays are they going to be calling for him? This week might not be the week to to have Christian McCaffrey as your RB1. In a flex position, sure, go right ahead. Of course, I say that as, you know, he probably goes out and gets like 200 yards altogether and like three touchdowns. <laughs> Niners are going all in with uh, with Christian McCaffrey. That, that's what that move means, by the way. They are going all in. So, also... Get rid of Jeff Jeff Wilson from your from your lineup. Like I said, everything's going through Christian McCaffrey, so Jeff Wilson, you know, he's gonna get some backup spots here and there. Christian McCaffrey's obviously gonna need some, you know, needs needs some rest during the game. Don't waste a roster spot on on, on Jeff Wilson anymore. All right, just don't do it. For the Panthers, that means uh, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard are splitting 
the carries. So you'll get a you'll get some increased numbers from them this week, but uh, you know. Eh. I, I, I sure hope I, I sure hope that you've got other running backs besides Deontay uh, Deontay Foreman and, uh, and, and and Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Not bad for you know like flex positions you know if you're in a deeper league or just better on your waiver wire to be perfectly honest. What well, anyway. Back to some numbers. <laughs> Back to some numbers. Uh, Colts, two and a half point road underdog at Tennessee this weekend. 42, the uh, the point total on that game. Jonathan Taylor is expected to be back, though. He was a full participant in practice yesterday, so he's uh, he's going to be starting. You know, throw him in for, for fantasy purposes. Uh, with, the, uh, with the Bears... Against New England? Oh, my God. Bill Belichick is, like, in his press conference this week for that game, just went through defensive players praising them. That means Bill Belichick is zeroing in on all the weaknesses in the defense. <laughs> oh, my God. It's got to be a bloodletting. And that's Monday night. Patriots eight-point favorite. 39 and a half the point total on it. Okay. All right. Anyway, that's Leprechaun Lunch. See you tomorrow. S-O-S-D-D. Get yourselves Put us out our misery. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 